All right. Well, we are going to finish our series called Spirit and Truth. Uh, and uh, next week, of course, is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. So we'll have a special service geared towards that. Fantastic uh, time of year in the Christian calendar. But uh, we've been covering uh, John four twenty three in our series here, Spirit and Truth, which says this, Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. So our Heavenly Father seeks worshipers. So we step into a worship relationship with God. That's the proper relationship between us and God. Of course, we need to believe in God to worship God. But, but even the demons believe. We need to have a worship relationship with God. That's the direction we need to go. And the, uh, the way that we worship God is in spirit and in truth. In spirit is with the fruits of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit. And in truth is knowing the truth and doing the truth. So uh, that's what we're looking for. The two goals for this series that uh, hopefully we'll have them fully met by the end of the time today because this is, this is wrapping it up. Goal number one is for each one of us to receive the fullness of the new life in Christ rather than settle for a one-dimensional faith. God is big, bigger than we can understand. Let's not limit God with our understanding. Let's receive the fullness of what God has for us, not leave things on the table. Let's receive it all. And then goal number two is for each of us to embrace the God-ordained differences between individual people and groups of people. We are made different. In the scriptures, it describes different parts that come together to form one body. If I'm different, God made me different, hallelujah, I need to celebrate that. And then I also need to celebrate your differences. We're not all made the same. We're all made different. And so we embrace those differences. We understand that God has ordained that, and we accept people who are different, groups that are different, individuals that are different. I don't ride a Harley, I ride a Raleigh, okay? It's a different group. If I come pedaling up in my Raleigh to Sturgis, it's not going to work out that well. So I'm not going to have a big influence on that particular community. However, there are others who can have that influence. And so we need to embrace those differences. You know, don't make fun of me because I ride a pedal bike. Uh, but at the same time, celebrate the differences that we have. Because each one of us is created differently to serve different purposes in the kingdom of God. Last time we talked about embracing, worshiping in spirit. We need to connect with God in spirit, in truth and in spirit. We talked about the, the scriptural evidence in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It talks about Jesus coming to baptize in the Holy Spirit. It's a core, central teaching of the scriptures. Do you know the virgin birth is only in two of the Gospels? Some very, very important things aren't in all four. You must be born again is only in John. It's not in Matthew, Mark, or Luke. This is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. It's the, in the beginning of each one. It's a core central teaching. Jesus is coming to save his people from their sins. He's the savior of the world. And he's coming to baptize, to immerse people in the Holy Spirit. 
So that's where we pick it up. Let's pray. We'll get into new material here this morning. So Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, I thank you for what you've already done here. And Lord, I, I thank you for what you're about to do. Lord, we open ourselves up to you. Lord, we all need something good from you today. We're all in different spots, fighting different parts of the battle and going through different things. And so, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would touch each one of us with exactly what we need so that we can believe in you better, trust you more, serve you more effectively, and just walk with you in peace and joy. So, Lord, bless our time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, I, I'm a, a truth leaner. You know, there's spirit leaners and there's truth leaners, and we need spirit and truth. I've experienced enough of the spirit to know that we need to embrace, engage, pursue the things of the spirit. But I have a tendency to naturally be a truth person. And so as last week we were talking about embracing the things of the spirit, I just didn't feel like I communicated it as effectively as I would want to truth people. You know, when you talk about the Holy Spirit to a truth person, they kind of like, like, I know you're saying something, but I'm not sure what it is, you know, and it's hard to communicate it. And so I want to try again to communicate what it means to receive the Holy Spirit, to engage the things of the Spirit by uh, talking about substituting one word for another. So let's substitute the word mentality in for the word spirit when we talk about a few different things. So let's go to uh, Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.7, very famous verse we covered last week. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So if we substitute in the word mentality, for God did not give us a mentality of timidity, but a mentality of power, of love, and of self-discipline. You can see here the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, and he's saying, dude, you're, you're scared. Don't be scared. God didn't give you that fear, that mentality of timidity. Now, is timidity evil? No. It can rob you of your future if you won't step into it because you're afraid. But it's not an evil thing. But I don't want to be robbed of my future in Christ. Amen? I don't want to be afraid to step into things that God has for me. So even though timidity itself doesn't reveal a dark, evil heart, it can be a cruel thing and take things away from us that we don't want to lose. God did not give us a mentality of timidity, but a mentality that's full of power, of love, and of self-discipline. You've heard of a critical spirit. We could say critical mentality, a religious spirit, a religious mentality, the Holy Spirit, a holy mentality, a holy way of seeing the world. Now, when I talk this way, I'm not trying to secularize the word spirit. I'm actually trying to spiritualize the word mentality. (laughs) I'm wanting to help us to see that there are things in the spirit world, there are things that we don't see that affect the way we think, affect the way we see the world, affect our mentality. And one of these great, powerful things that can affect our mentality and the way we see the world is the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes on us, it changes our hearts. It changes our vision. It changes who we are. This is uh, 
The Holy Spirit is described in 1 Corinthians as the mind of Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Paul says to the Corinthian church, We have not received the spirit of the world, a worldly mentality, but the spirit who is from God, a mentality from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. It helps us understand. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Have you ever been there? You're like, okay, yeah, these people are weird. Well, if you don't understand what's being said, it's just going to be weird stuff. He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual man makes judgments about all things, but he himself is not subject to any man's judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So we have a mentality that is like Christ. We feel the feelings Christ felt. We think the thoughts Christ thought. We see the world as Jesus when we are fully embracing and immersed in the Holy Spirit, a holy mentality. Now, the Corinthian letters were largely corrective. If you've read the letters to the Corinthians, Paul was often saying, now you guys are really messing up. And then he would explain that. And that would be the next verse. So chapter three, verse one, brothers, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you are not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? So here he's saying your mentality is wrong. I've been telling you that you can receive this holy mentality, but instead you've got a quarreling, fighting, strife-filled, jealous mentality. You're seeing the world in the wrong way. And so he's speaking in faith in chapter 2 about what they can have in Christ. And then he's explaining to them, but you don't have it yet. I tried to give you as little as possible, some milk. You still need milk. You're still worldly. So we need to change the way we see the world. And we do that by inviting the Holy Spirit in and abiding in the presence of God. That's how we grab hold of Holy Spirit things. When I was a brand new believer, the devil tricked me. Ever been tricked by the devil? It's a terrible thing. I, I came from a non-Christian background, and so when I got saved, my heart went out to my non-Christian friends and family. And I thought, you know, they need to know the truth. And I looked at the church, which I didn't have a positive opinion of at the time, and I thought, these people have turned the Alpha and the Omega into a cartoon character that nobody can reasonably believe in. They've taken the God of the universe and made him a nursery rhyme, and how can I try to take this nursery rhyme to my people? It's not going to work. And so I got very, very angry at the church and specifically very, very angry at Christian leaders, pastors and the like, those guys. And uh, I always asked Trinette to testify on this one. 
I had a deep-seated, seething hatred, and just, it was, it was dark. Am I overstating that? I'm, my wife says I'm not overstating that. Because people are like, no, you're a nice guy. You're friendly. You smile. You, you work well with people. Like, yeah, you didn't know me. And there was a day when the Holy Spirit hit me and changed my heart and changed my mentality. It was 22 years ago, and my life has not been the same since. And I see the world a different way. Not, it's, it's not just some words about something we're never going to touch. Talking about the power and the presence of God to change our heart, to change our vision, to change our mentality through the things of the Spirit. Powerful stuff. We need to receive the things of the Spirit. So we need to receive the things of truth, and we need to receive the things of the Spirit. How do we put those two things together? That is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. So we've got 12 minutes for three chapters of the Bible and a little bit of 1 Thessalonians. All right. You ready? <laughs> Here we go. Chapter 12. Gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 3 through 14. Let's read through this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. So there are different gifts. God gives different abilities to different people, but it's the same God. There are different kinds of service. We serve the Lord in different ways, but it's the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. So this is a description of the great differences between people but the same God making those people different. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So why are gifts given? For the common good. So if God gives me a spiritual gift, is that gift for me? Do I take it home and unwrap it and you know keep it in my living room just for me? No, I carry that gift to the group for the common good. That gift really does not belong to me. It's just the gift I've been assigned to bring to the group. So if the UPS man drove the truck home, opened up all of the, uh, all the packages and kept them, would that be a problem? Yeah. That person goes to jail. That's how that would work. And there's a similar dynamic with the gifts that God has given us. They come with a responsibility because it's not my gift to take home with me. It's my gift to bring to benefit others. And so these things are given to us for the common good. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. So this is some interesting stuff. You can see how Paul is saying, now, now make sure you accept people who are different. These are some profound differences, right? Profound differences. You've got natural type gifts of the Spirit, and you've got supernatural type gifts of the spirit and there can be tension when these things are happening and people don't understand what's going on so we need to love each other through it let's read uh next couple of verses 
All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So we all are able to receive from God, and we are all empowered in different ways to serve God. So embrace your differences, embrace other people's differences. Now we've talked about the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We just read about the gifts of the Spirit. Chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians is talking about the fruits of the Spirit. Which is more important, fruit or gifts? So the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, and the like. Gifts of the Spirit, what we just read, you know, wisdom, knowledge, um, miracles, healing, prophecy. Which is more important? Or are they the same? I should warn people. Anyway, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the next chapter, and see what the scriptures have to say. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, gifts, but have not love, fruit, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, fantastic gifts. But have not love, I am nothing. The lack of fruit nullifies the powerful gift. Verse 3, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, tremendous service, fantastic, sacrificial service to Christ, but have not love, I gain nothing. Isn't that amazing? Incredible giftings, sacrificial service without love amounts to nothing. The fruits of the Spirit, the love we have for one another is powerful and important. Love is key because we live in an area of imperfections. Did you know that this world is full of imperfections? Have you met some imperfect people? Yeah, everybody you've met. And, of course, each one of us as well. This is an area, I'm sorry, an era of imperfection. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 10. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. Today is the day of imperfection, where you know some things and you don't know other things. When Jesus returns, we'll understand the whole deal. Now we only see little bits. We only understand little things So in the time of imperfection, we must love one another because we are each imperfect as we try to serve God as best we can. We're still serving in the midst of imperfection. And we have to use our gifts and we have to put them into practice in order to develop them and get good at using our gifts. You know, uh, 
I've been a preacher now for 17 years, I guess. And I did a little bit before that, not much. You get better over time. You know, you got to put things into practice. If you play baseball, you don't just like hit your stride, your perfection after eight minutes of playing baseball. You know, it takes years and years to develop these things. The same thing with spiritual gifts. And so when we step into things and we operate in imperfection, then we need to have love for one another, give grace to one another so that we can grow and learn how to do things without being harshly treated or too strongly evaluated. One of the big problems that we have in the body of Christ today is that we evaluate rather than participate. So during the worship time, we're trying to participate in worship, honor the living God, connect with him in a spiritual way that's difficult to explain. If instead of participating in that, you're thinking, well, I don't know, does the guitar player play the wrong chord? Or well, I don't know if I like electric drums. I think they should have regular drums and put a cage around. You know, if you're evaluating instead of participating, then it's messing everything up. So in the era of imperfections, we will notice those imperfections and we can evaluate or we can just have love for people, give grace to people and participate. I encourage you, participate. It doesn't, it doesn't get very far when we only evaluate. So, chapter 14, putting it all together. Spirit and truth in the public church service. You know, there's a chapter in the Bible about how to have spiritual gifts happen in a public church service. Chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. Very interesting stuff. It's very helpful. So, and this is including all those you know, spiritual gifts like prophecy and tongues and that sort of stuff that was in chapter 12. How do you get that to happen? Well, of course, it's for the common good. We want to use our gifts for the common good. We don't want to affect people in a negative way. So uh, the gift isn't for you. Don't make it about you. Try to help other people. And sometimes if you've got a particular type of spiritual gift, that other people don't understand, you may negatively affect them. Who's been in a super spiritual service where you're kind of creeped out? Anybody have? <laughs> all right, all right, there you go. You know, that's just real. 1 Corinthians 14, 17 is talking about this. The, the Bible word for creeped out is not edified. So here we go. You may be giving thanks well enough. This is talking about the person that's just praising God and giving thanks in a spirit language, and then the person next to him is like, like this. The other man is not edified. A good thing is happening here, but this other person is getting kind of creeped out. So that's the not edified thing. A good thing is happening, but if somebody doesn't understand it, it can cause problems for that person. And then this verse on steroids is verse 23. So if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you are out of your mind? And the answer is, of course they will. (laughs) What other option do they have? They're going to be like, wow, this is goofy stuff. You know, will they not say you are out of your mind? But so we need to keep reading the next couple of verses because 
we need to understand that if we engage the things of the Spirit in the right way, it's profound and wonderful. If we do this in the wrong way, it can unnecessarily alienate people from the power of God. So what do we need to do? Verse, next couple verses. But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes in while everybody is prophesying, that is just speaking words from God, he will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all. And the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Isn't there a big difference between you're out of your mind and God is really among you? Two verses from each other, a huge difference. If we handle the things of the Spirit the right way, people feel the power of God, the presence of God, God changes them, and it's wonderful and beautiful. If we handle it poorly, we just look like crazy people. That's what the Bible says. So I'm going to give the Apostle Paul, when I go to heaven, I'm going to give him a hug, and I'm going to thank him for 1 Corinthians 14, 23. I'm be like, man, that was a good one. So let's pull truth into this. 1 Thessalonians 5, 19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Embrace the things of God. Verse 21, test everything. Amen? Test everything. Somebody comes up to you and says, God told me you need to sell everything you own, give to the poor, and walk to Mexico. And God will reveal what he's going to do in Mexico. Should you do that? Well, you go ahead and pray and find out if... if, if an angel shows up and gives you a vision and says, you know, sell everything you own and go to Mexico, then go ahead. But if somebody else says it, test it. Test everything. Does it resonate with your spirit? Is this something you're getting confirmation on? Because test everything and hold on to the good. You want to know the difference between the Holy Spirit and a critical spirit? A critical spirit tests everything and holds on to the bad. The Holy Spirit tests everything and holds on to the good. What do you remember about things that have happened in your life? Are you able to test everything and hold on to the good? Or do you remember the bad thing that person did, the bad thing that happened to you, the bad thing in that church service? Or can you find the good thing? I used to very effectively find the bad thing. I could sit in the back of the church service with my arms folded and wait for that preacher to say something wrong. And I tell you, he would do it. Because today is the day of imperfection. We're not perfect. Things are wrong. And I'd find it and I'd be like, aha, there it is. I knew it. Quack. You know, and I'd be, I'd be all terrible about that. Now, I can go to a service. It can be 99% off. And that 1% that's good, I can grab a hold of that and be like, amen. I am, I am putting that in my life. I'm taking it. The Holy Spirit tests everything. We are to test everything and hold on to the good. All right. I'm going to invite the the prayer teams up. We're going to close here in just a minute. You know, if we test everything and hold on to the bad, where does that lead us as the years go by? It's not good. When we test everything and hold on to the good, we're able to grab hold of the good because the good and the bad are both there. 
We need the good. All right. The uh, conclusion of these three chapters in 1 Corinthians is 1 Corinthians 14, 39 through 40. And it's a wonderful thing. Therefore, my brothers, be eager to prophesy. Eager. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. That doesn't sound eager. Uh, He's saying, speak in tongues between yourself and God most of the time. If everybody understands, great. Let her fly. But if you're going to hurt people, then, you know, between you and God. But everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So let's have structure. Let's have things work. The structure at Good Hope is we want to have a safe and free environment where the spirit can move. That means that it's safe and free. There's a conflict between safe and free. Safe means that we control everything. Free means that we don't control everything. And so what that means is that I allow people to operate in spiritual gifts if I approve them to do so. But not just anybody can do that. So that's how we put together fitting and orderly way. So test everything, hold on to the good. Isn't that the trick? To Know the difference between God moving us out of our comfort zone into something we don't understand and we don't know because God's got a good plan for us and he wants to open up something new to us. Because God will ask you to step out of your comfort zone, right? Versus the still small voice warning us, that's flaky goofiness, stay away from that. Right? Knowing the difference between the two is where the power is. Can I grab hold of the great mysteries of God without being afraid of the great mysteries of God, while at the same time having the wisdom to avoid the goofy, weird stuff? And even the dark stuff. There's bad stuff too. Some of it's just flaky. Some of it's dark. We need to avoid the bad and grab hold of the good. How do we do that? Well, I think we pray for God to give us eyes to see. Matthew 6, 22 and 23 says this. Jesus is speaking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. You'll be able to test everything, see the good, and take it. 23, but if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If we think the things of God are evil, if we think the things of God aren't aren't good, but instead we grab hold of the wrong things, it's going to be a disaster. I believe God God wants us to have eyes to see so that we can grab hold of the fullness of the things of God without getting mired in this other stuff. Amen? So let's ask God to give us eyes to see, and then I'll open up the front for personal prayer. So let's pray together, and then we'll have individual prayer time. Heavenly Father, we know you've got good things for us and that we don't understand you. Your ways are higher than our ways. We don't see everything. We don't understand everything. And some of the things that you have, it can be hard for us. We have to come out of our comfort zone. So, Lord, show us the difference between stepping into your good things that are outside of our comfort zone versus uh, spiritual fraud things, versus spiritual darkness, versus just goofiness. Let us see the difference so that we don't miss anything good from you. 
and so that we're not hurt by these other things as well. We want to know. Give us the wisdom. Give us the eyes to see. Give us good eyes. And Father, I pray a blessing over each one in here this morning, Lord. Encourage us. Give us strength. Lord, let your peace be on our hearts. Let us be confident in you, full of faith. Lord, let your joy overflow and give us strength. And Lord, let us receive your love, know your love so much that we're just in awe of what you've done for us. And we are so loved that we've got extra love to share with those who are difficult in our lives. Lord, bless us in that way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.